This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. And uh, I have a very special surprise for everyone, which is the lovely Kevin Smith. This episode is Let's Be Mall Rats. Let's Be Mall Rats. Um, How are you? I'm good. Let me paint the picture for the kids at home. Like, you know, I've been around now. I've been doing this January of 2024 marks 30 years that I have been in the business. So 30 years from the moment clerks played at Sundance. Look, it only took me 45 seconds to say clerks. Um, <laughs> I have been around. That's, I only say that just so I can tell you, like I have experience, not just this business, but uh, in this town and specifically in the dwellings of those who work within our industry. Uh, that is to say, I have been in some really nice houses in my day. This is a staggering <laughs> palace to oneself, a shrine to the hard work put in by a little girl who I remember seeing in um, Ron Howard's movie, Night Shift. Mugger! Mugger. Yes. Yep. From the little girl who worked with Wilford Brimley. Yeah. If Wilford Brimley could see where you, how you live, <laughs> oh my God, he, he would be like, I should ask for a lot more money for them diabetes commercials or, or whatever it was <laughs> he was Quaker advertising. Oats. The Quaker Oats. That's Oats. right. This place is staggering. Thank this you. is just go are you allowed to curse on your podcast yeah i guess fucking gorgeous you should see this kitchen you might see it behind her and you're not, it's not even doing it justice i pulled in and i was like holy shit this is what i need to know is this 90210 money or charmed money because i know it ain't mall rats money it wasn't mall rats if, money fuck, no if, if this was mall rats money i too would live in the Taj Mahal. Uh, yeah, I think this was charmed money. Was this charm money? Yeah, it was a combination of uh, 90210 and charmed money. Let's talk about that because you like had a show, two shows 
in an era when like residuals were like a thing. No, when residuals were terrible. Even they were bad then because they're, yeah. they're terrible now. Yeah. So 90210, it wasn't like a full fledged network yet. Fox. That right. was the beginning. Yeah, it was the beginning. So our residuals were always extremely low. I mean, now I think it's like, you know, for an entire season, they'll send me a residual for like $17. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's, that's what happened to 90210 kids. I was yeah. there for 90210. I watched 90210 in quick stop behind the counter before we made clerks, while we were making clerks and whatnot. So much so that when I make my second movie and Shannon's in it, like that was an absolute sign that I'd made it. Like I watched this person like a year ago, I was watching you on TV at my job. And a year later, my job was to hang out with you in a fucking mall. In like, a mall. I was like, this rules. So that, that I was there when that show broke and to say, to try to explain to people how big that phenomenon is, you would have to point to like the Swifties and shit like that at this right. point. Like, and maybe people are like, you're overstating it. Bullshit. This 90210 was like literally everywhere. And Shannon was like everywhere as well. They hunted you. They did. <laughs> like constantly. They like did. Shannon was in every piece of media. If there was an internet, you would have broken it multiple times. Yeah. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not even speaking out of school. I, you could probably go on the internet and fucking go back and see. But Shannon was like the first person, like the proto-influencer, but wasn't an influencer. She actually was an actress and had a career in shit. But the person that they focused on your personal life almost more than your performances. Uh, not even almost. A hundred percent focused more on my personal life than... And look, you know... To be fair, I gave them a lot to focus on. This is true. In my personal Shannon life. was also fun back in those days. I and was as fun. much as headline after headline was like, Doherty punches out, <laughs> motherfucker with camera. <laughs> uh, Doherty and Judd Nelson. And, and that was like a dream pairing because it's like, oh my God, the girl from Heather's and the boy from Breakfast Club. Like just as an outsider from that, from that world. And then entering the world and working with you as a contemporary was just so like that, that to me was the first indication, like, Oh my God, I've, I've made it. My question is this, and we'll get back to this fucking majestic estate that apparently charmed pay for. So it wasn't charmed residuals. It was like the charmed per episode. It was, I mean, listen, it was a combination of stuff because there were residuals on charm. Yes. That's where the money profit participation. So is that, does that still exist? Yeah. So whenever they sell charm, you get a piece. Yes. Oh, you lucky one. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, how deep is, is that you attached to every season of Charmed or just the ones you're in? Uh, it's supposed to be every season. So that's, you definitely that's, got paid for the ones you're in. Oh, for sure. And they sold that fucker everywhere. And it continues to like, uh, yeah. you know, the thing about Charmed, it's what's interesting is that I think 90210, uh, if you, if you put them together, right. In the same time frame, I think 90210 was still the bigger show. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Charm definitely had a but Charm huge was profile, huge. and it also yes. it seems like it's had a longer shelf life. Maybe I'm wrong. Our, I think our fans yeah. are probably the most loyal, dedicated fans. You know, number one is right? there are. So here, I I follow you from like your early career, like up till 
um, mall rats. And then I'm busy making movies. But the guy who's not as busy making movies and has a lot of time to watch TV and has literally watched Charmed, no, no bullshit from fucking season one to the end and then starts again and loops back no less than 25 times over the course of the last 10 years alone, Jason Mewes. Are you serious? Such a fucking man. I'm, I'm not, I'm not overstating it by being in front of you. You, you could go listen to him talk anywhere in public. He doesn't know the Smiths song. How soon is now? He just knows the it theme from charmed. charmed. So when it comes on, he's like fucking charm bitch. And I'm like, well, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> it pre-exists charm as well. But he like lives and breathes still to this day. Now you, you lived in a maybe 24, 48 hour news cycle. If you did something at fucking the China club or whatever, fuck, or what was that place? The Formosa. You had about 24 hours, 48 hours for the rest of the world might find out. You lived in a pre TMZ world. Yes. Who covered you? Who was your nemesis? Who, who was the outfit? The National Enquirer. That was the one. Yeah. So wild because they don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to pick any fights, but they just don't seem to have a presence or an existence no, in our world don't. like they used to. Right. But now they it's used like to be anybody huge. Could do that they were like, it was Star Magazine and National Enquirer. So they were the predators. They were yes. the ones where it's just like, get me a fucking photograph of her punching you and holy shit, we'll run it. In the yes. Shit. Um, but the great thing about that so time to, to a certain degree was that you were able to sort of say to yourself, you know, okay, great. So fine. It's in the press and that sucks. It's in a newspaper, but that newspaper you knew was going to be, you know, lining a cat litter box right. and forgotten. Now you Google my name and it all lives there right. forever. Um, At this point, is any of it, are you ever like, well, I'm fucking glad because it like adds to the mythology. No. You were like, you were like, if I could go back in time, I'd erase yeah. some of that shit. Would you? Yeah. I would. No, you like that's to me as part of like the DNA of who you are. You had the unpleasant, you know, business of having to grow up in front of people, like mm-hmm. have an adolescence in front of the world and do shit that everybody does. But like fucking, they put a camera on it and they were yeah. like, "How dare she do it?" and shit like that. But that being said, at your DNA, at the core of your DNA, has always been a fighter. That's why when the cancer stuff kicked in. I was like, naturally, like, oh my God, my heart's breaking. But at the same time, I'm like, anybody's going to fucking fight it. It's fucking dodo. She she fought less and for less. Like, this is so much more. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm no doctor and shit, but I was like, well, it may have met its match in Shenandoah. (laughs) (laughs) Having known her as long as I I hope so. Do you know how you even, how we even come into each other's world? I do. Yeah. So it was after 90210 and um, my agent at the time. Where were you? Um, what agency? It might have been William Morris. Right. And, and Shannon couldn't be more famous kids at this point. Like, honestly, Shannon was probably one of the most famous people in the world, period. She was absolutely hands down. I'm not overstating it because I'm in her fucking palace. One of the most famous people in in the world. Who was written about? Who had to audition for you? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I had to audition for you. Like that was the that whole was thing. my idea. Trust me. They were like, uh, you know, there's this movie, but you have to audition. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me read it. And then I read it, and they're like, it's Kevin Smith, and he did Clerks, and I'm like, okay, let me watch that. And 
I was like, yeah, okay, I'll audition. And I did. And I remember that audition with you because you guys did not give anybody auditioning for my part easy material to audition with. No. It was like the monologues. And I was like, oh my God. And I was the girl who, I don't know if you remember, I don't ever want to read off of a, you know, sides off of a piece of paper. So I had to memorize memorize it all. And and it was like a page long monologue. (laughs) She would have to like memorize. It was crazy. And, but I did it and you were like, okay, that's great. Do it faster. Yeah. And I was <laughs> I like, I think that was my direction to you for all of mall rats. For all of mall rats. You're like faster, faster, faster. Cause you have the ability to rat attack. Like you could, it, it, the original intention was kind of like, a, you know, I wanted to make a John Hughes, John Landis movie, but at its root, Jim Jacks, the late Jim Jacks, who was our producer was like, you know, from the early draft, it was like, it's kind of like a screwball comedy as well. He's going, he got that pace going on. And Shannon was like the first professional that I'd worked with who could rat a tat the dialogue in a very Howard Hawks, his girl Friday kind of way. And so if you watch the elevator scene between her and like Jason Lee, where she's like, I'm a girl, damn it. Um, it's, it's so, it's so fucking fast. The, the flow the, is there as the kids say. some of the absolute best dialogue. I always say this no, when people not. ask. It's small rats. No, it's no, a no, corny no. ass movie. It is but you honestly some of the best dialogue I've ever gotten to say. And you know what? You can be as humble as you want right you, now. You got to put it beneath the Dan Waters, Heather stuff. For me personally, yeah. that was... Maybe it was the pace, you know, but it was also just how you wrote for Renee Mm. was so impressive to me because you're a dude writing exactly what a girl is thinking. Mm -hmm. The the women I was always kind of drawn to, I have a very strong mother figure in my life. My mom, literally. So naturally, every like woman I gravitate toward is a pretty, you know, um, strong figure. And, and very well-spoken and usually the smartest person in the room. So all that went into the DNA of like all the female characters that I wrote. And, and when I wrote them at the time, like people were like, Ooh, he can really write female characters. I wrote a thing with my kid. I got a daughter, Harley Quinn. She's like 24. And we had this writing gig and we wrote this script together. And in it, it's like two generations of characters. So there were definitely young people and older people like so she would have the voice of the youth and i definitely have more of the other side so you know i was waiting for her to write one scene i was like fuck i'll take a crack at it and so i wrote the scene and i was like hey kiddo i took a run at the you know car scene with kids like let me know what you think and she like wrote back she's like dad no no 20 something talks like this anymore oh and i was like what are you talking about i was like I'm fucking like the king of Gen X dialogue. Like literally, like that's my bread and butter and fucking in the world. And she was like, yes, dad, in the nineties. <gasps> it was like, oh. a, I know it was a dagger in my fucking heart. Oh. I was like, but I was, I, she wasn't wrong. I'm like, yeah, I guess I am in my fucking fifties. And that era, you know, I could still have a good ear for dialogue, but like being the person who knows the voice of youth, you know, it's like when I turn on euphoria and, and get scared. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's youth culture. Right. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't, it's, you know, I don't understand teens anymore. So generally speaking, when we go back and 
in time, Shannon, we had the temerity to ask her to to audition. That was twice. more Don Phillips. Twice. You went in twice. I went in. So, yeah. So, I auditioned. And then, and Again, then you. One of the most famous <laughs> people in the world. And whose work we were, like, familiar with. Like, it wasn't like, I don't know what she's capable of. Right. This Shannon Doherty. She's new. Right. Like, you know, we'd seen her for a couple seasons on 9020. She was in fucking others. She'd been working for a while. So, it was like, we all know what Shannon could do. Why they kept making you audition. And I'm, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but, like. I, you know me. I'm like fucking, oh my God, she's famous. Let's cast her. Yeah. Fucking, like I've watched her <laughs> movies and she's legit. She wants to be in it. Fuck. Like quick say yes. But for some reason they were like, Don Phillips is like, all right, we're going to have her come back in. And I'm like, why? Clearly she's the one. Yeah. I mean, and also, cool. by the way, like the, the key to a green light on that movie as well. Like that movie. I had no idea. <laughs> yes. That movie was, that's how, and again, I'm not, I'm not like blowing smoke up her ass, but like, that's how fucking popular Shannon was. Universal was like, Oh, Shannon Doherty's interested. Well, you, now you have a blinking green light. That's what they literally said. Wow. Like, I, I thought like, that's an expression in Hollywood. And it was that nobody used it anymore. But the idea is like, you're halfway there. They wanted one more like TV star. Later on, we were able to convince him that Jeremy London, who had done one season of a TV show called I'll Fly Away, which was very critically acclaimed, had Sam Waterston in it. We were like, he's on a TV show. Look, there are ads and shit like that. And we were like, hey, all right, there's two TV people. Let's go. But Shannon was the one that got them, you know, that Shannon was the Viagra for Universal, <laughs> for them to be like, oh, we're suddenly very interested. And it's only a matter of time before we close this deal. By the way, that's, that's literally all I want people to say from now on. <laughs> Shannon was the Viagra. Like, if that's Put that if on that's your Twitter anything, bio, if anyone ever like goes away with anything from this podcast, <laughs> yes. it's exactly that right there. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education that empowers communities. Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If you listen to my podcast, you know I love being cozy at home, and there's nothing better than snuggling up with a good book and soft loungewear. And my go-to is Cozy Earth. Their fabrics are soft and you can feel the quality in their clothing and in their sheets. If you run a little warm at night, I really recommend Cozy Earth because their products keep you cool and cozy. Experience the unmatched softness and buttery smoothness of Cozy Earth's bedding, surpassing even the finest hotel sheets for a restful night's sleep. Stay cool and comfy during long flights with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, adding a touch of style to your travel ensemble. Whether you're exploring distant lands or enjoying a staycation at home, Cozy Earth has everything that you need to turn every moment into pure bliss. So visit CozyEarth.com and use code CLEAR at checkout for an exclusive 35% off and discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use my code CLEAR, that's C-L-E-A-R, at checkout to get 35% off and let them know that I sent you after your checkout. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I did, you guys did want me to come back for a second audition and uh, you guys called it a pizza party, which is something that like. You came to the pizza party. Which was a formality. You were getting the part at that point. And they regardless. told me I was getting the part. Yeah. And so the second audition wasn't really an audition. Do you want to hear a scandalous story about the pizza party? So yeah. the pizza party kids, as Shannon was about to explain, and then I started mansplaining it for her in her own fucking house. What <laughs> a rude guest I am. But the pizza party was Don Phillips was our casting director. Yes. Don Phillips was super fucking well known in the casting Didn't he do world. like Fast Times at Ridgemont High? The, like, the lady knows her history. Yeah, he, he like cast huge- Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Not only cast it, but single-handedly discovered Sean Penn. Right. Then he cast uh, Richard Linklater's Days and Confused and discovered, you know, with the help, of course, Richard Linklater, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Right. Then we made a little picture called Mallrats together, and he discovered an actor named Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. So Don's got a stellar track record and stuff. So Don Phillips had this thing called Pizza Party where basically it was, a, I mean, Pizza Party is such a misleading title because yes there was pizza but when you're auditioning party. who's eating pizza and so then true. going in to like spout dialogue very quickly the lady's right there was a lot of leftover pizza yeah. the actors weren't <laughs> eating it but it gets worse than that you're you're bringing in don phillips pizza party is bringing in three actors that are up for the same role yeah and you see your competition all throughout the day. And then sometimes you're cast opposite your competition in a scene where they're just playing somebody else for the read. So you're forced to sit there and watch somebody do the lines that you studied very well and shit. Now, for me, that was like my first motion picture, right? Other than Clerks, we made ourselves. This is the first legit movie. And I was like, all right, I guess that's how it's done. All I've heard for years since then is like, do you know what a horrible experience that was? The Mallrats <laughs> pizza party. The like pizza party. It was like that fucking train that looks like a circus, but is bringing you to a death camp. They're like, it's so fucking horrible. We all got there and just found out that like we had to compete against each other in round robin style and knock each other off one by one. So nobody ate pizza. And Amanda Pete came out of New York. And even though we knew that it was you playing the part, Universal was like, well, you have to bring out two other people for Renee as well. So there was one other person, I forget, but the other person was Amanda Pete. And Amanda Pete was in New York and she had to come to West Coast. So they flew her, like they paid for her to fly. But at the end of the day, she's what do they call that? A straw man, stalking horse or whatever. Like, unless you came in and took a shit on the table. She was never getting the part. It was going to be you because everyone wanted you to have the part and shit. So she came out and like gave a wonderful audition and whatnot. But she had figured out at a certain point that it was she was never like truly in the running. In our minds, it was like, oh, maybe she'll take one of the other parts, like Gwen or something like that. And we offered her Gwen and she said no afterwards because she felt disrespected by the process. She was mad that we had flown her all the way out there and she truly had no chance to get the part. Understandable. But in my young 25-year-old mind, I was like, man, but that was a free trip to Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would have been like, I don't give a shit. I got to go to Los Angeles. I had a different mindset back then. I was still coming in from like the real world and stuff. So 
Shannon, we do the second, the round robin, and like Joey Adams hates that day. Like Jason Lee's the only one. He was like, it was hard. And he was like, it was weird seeing other people that were up for the part. But Jason was meant to be a stalking horse or a straw man. He was not the guy that we thought was going to get the part. He was just the third guy. And then throughout the day, wound up being the guy. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, because I remember reading with three different guys. And there was another guy who everyone thought was going to be it. Yeah. And But towards the end, I think... I think you kept bringing Jason and I back in and you worked with both of us a lot. And that was more about like, oh shit, let's see how we know we want her. Let's see how she is with the the new guy. Cause he was like, he hadn't done anything. He he was in Mi Vida Loca, an Alison Anders movie, one shot, him and Spike Jones, like buying drugs from somebody who like raised their hand to him, wordless and shit. And that's the closest he'd come to acting. He was a professional skateboarder. So everyone was like, can he act? Like, let's see how he'll do. And the opposite. answer is, hell yeah. yeah he did. He was, hell yeah, he, he can was, act. He was ready. And boy, he grew into a wonderful actor. But how it even gets to the point where I say to Jim Jacks, you know who we should go after is Shannon Doherty. Because even though I sit there and watch you and probably because I sit there and, and watch you on TV and probably because like you were constantly in the news and probably because I saw you in Heather's you never occurred to me to cast because I was like, she's way too fucking famous for this movie. This is like going to be a four and a half million dollar movie. Like, and she's coming off of 90210. She ain't going to spend that fucking cred on a movie like this. So never entered my mind. I might as well have been like, oh, Julia Roberts might want to do mall rats. Like that's exactly, you were in the same caliber in my head. Malcolm Ingram who interviews you later on or interviews all of us from all rest, Canadian yeah. Malcolm Ingram. Mm-hmm. I had just met him at the Toronto film festival for the clerk screening. And, uh, we go out to eat. So while we're sitting there, like, you know, people are like, so what's coming next? What are you gonna do next? And I was like, we, I've been talking to universal to, to the guys that made days confused, Jim Jackson, Sean Daniels, Alphaville about making this movie called mall rats and um they're like what is it i was like i don't know clerks in a mall and they're like holy shit malcolm goes well you gotta get fucking doherty and i was like Janet doherty and he goes yeah i gotta get fucking doherty she's a queen and i was like Janet doherty's super famous he's like that's why i gotta fucking get her it's the only chance your movie has oh my god i didn't know this malcolm was the one that was just like fucking doherty man he's like look you're gonna go back to the studio and shit say shannon doherty and watch their faces and so when I went back, you know, it's, uh, Jim Jacks is like talking about who it could be. Joey Adams was somebody that Jim Jacks was leaning toward because he had a friendship with her and shit. And I was like, um, like, what about Shannon Doherty? And Jim Jacks like, Shannon Doherty? She's like really famous. And I was like, I know, I know. But like, she is like age appropriate. And she's coming off of fucking like 90210. Like maybe she needs something to do. Like, I don't know. Like, isn't it worth asking? And it, it begins with Malcolm. So Malcolm came out for like the casting process when I was like, Malcolm, like Shannon Doherty's coming in. He's like, I'm fucking coming to California. I got to see this. Did he come to the audition? I think he did come he to the did. audition. Yeah. Because I, I remember him sitting in on the audition. And that was supposed to be it. But then when we went to Minnesota to shoot the movie, Malcolm was supposed to stay for five days and then stayed for the whole fucking shoot. Right. Um, he was always had this like fucking sense of pride. And still to this day, 
Like whenever he wants to bring me down a peg or whatever, it's just like, you didn't fucking think of Doherty. I did. Oh, Malcolm, I love you. But it was not because I'm like, I'll never think of Doherty because she's not good enough. But I was like, she's too fucking big for us and shit. And mercifully, you were like, why did you do it? I freaking loved the script, to be honest. I really did. And it was, as I said, for me, coming off of 90210, Mm. um, your dialogue was so interesting and Renee was so interesting and I really I wanted to work with a young up-and-coming director mm. and you were you know you had all of this like attention on you from clerks Sundance all of that stuff so it was it was kind of like my reps agreed I agreed it was yeah you gotta you know, if you wanted I I kind of wanted to shift gears in my career anyway because right. I had gotten so much uh, hate from playing Brenda because Brenda, you know, went through way too much drama and angst, and uh, which, the, which the audience confused with the with me, actor, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Renee was just not Brenda in any mm. way, shape, or form, and so it just felt like a really good career move. And I friggin' like still to this day love that dialogue. Somebody recently at a convention asked me if I would say some of the lines, and I was like, I really have to. For that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, bro, it's been a long time between me and Maurice. I, I like for me, those movies never die, right? Like the casts go on to other things and whatnot. But like those movies are active and vital in my world all the time. Not just because I fucking sequelize them to death, but also just because like I've had a deep connection with the audience and fostered it for years and years. So in my world, those movies like n- never end. There's always somebody coming in and be like, I fucking love mall rats. You know? Always. And where I'm like, where were you when we fucking put that movie out? And that's kind of the interesting thing about mall rats, right? Is that it wasn't a box office success. Oh, it died. It died. Um, so did my film career. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we took it down. We took Shannon's chance right yeah. with us and shit. I'm like, that was it. Um, what did you, did you do a movie after that? Uh, no, no. Like that was, that was it. I, uh, people literally thought that like I was carrying the movie. So therefore if it was a box office <laughs> failure, it was completely on me. So bro. there was no film career oh, after bro. that, which was a little brutal. But at the same time, I, 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 I got to carry that cross now in yeah, life. Carry that cross. I never put two and two together. It's okay. Like, I think the fact that it is because you really never shoot like another feature film. I mean, you yeah. like, but, but I mean, you did like I know two and oh, the reunion movie and shit, but like a TV, all TV, still like two hours is a movie, all and t- and it doesn't matter anymore, man. TV stream, my kid, no, she can't tell matters. you what network her favorite shows are on. By the way, too. yeah, now, but yeah. back then, it was very different. There was a very big difference, and I just wasn't. I didn't necessarily want the grind right. of a TV show so soon. So I really thought that like Mallrats was going to kick me into that gear. Oh man. Um, I mean, here's the thing that movie aged like fine wine, fine wine. But in the moment when a movie, when a movie flops kids, this is the experience, at least my experience. Like when a movie ends, it's like fucking love each other, man. And you sign each other's yearbooks. Like it's the end of (laughs) high school. Like I'll see you next summer. We're fucking bonded forever and shit. And then when a movie dies, like if you know you're, your biblical stories, like fucking remember when like Christ gets arrested and like all the apostles scatter and they're uh-huh. like, do you know Jesus? Like who? 
Jeez, no, I know, I know, I know G, this guy. I'm Jeter, Jeet us, but Jeebus, maybe. I don't, I don't know, Jesus. That's what happens. Everybody goes running from the fucking yes. bomb. So you scatter. So, you know, I quickly pivoted and started writing Chasing Amy, which would then go on to like resuscitate my career and, and, and kind of like, I, I don't know. It was weird because like I went, I went to the Independent Spirit Awards the year before Chasing Amy came out just to present because I'd written the show that year. And so I was one of the presenters. I was there with Laura Dern and I went up and before we presented, I was like, Hey man, I just want to take this opportunity to say like, uh, to apologize for more. I don't know what I was thinking as a joke. And we're there in front of like a bunch of indie folks under the tent in Santa Monica. And they're all like, ah, um, Roger Ebert took that seriously. So when he reviewed chasing Amy, he was like, Kevin Smith made a movie so bad. He apologized for it, but like chasing Amy on the other hand now. So I'm just saying this kids, because for some people, you know, for younger people, it's like, mall what? So they're out of the conversation, sadly. But for the older people, you know, maybe or the mid-range who picked it up and, you know, on home video, like in the late 90s and shit. Um, this movie came and went in a weekend. Yeah. It played on 500 screens um, and was off of all of those screens within like 24 hours. Yeah. It was eight, we had eight days, but like basically an eight to 10 day run. It was like, like I remember going to a test screening at San Diego comic-con long before Hollywood like descended on comic-con and stuff. And we screened it. Tom Pollock, who was the head of universal studios at that point, he's there and he's like, I was there for the animal house test screening. And he goes, and this is that he's going, this movie's going to make a hundred million dollars. And I, he was off by 98 million, but he, he was close. You know, he came close. He got around up a little bit. So when so it, it tested well, very well. And I mean, well, it screened that, that version of it screened very well. We had, by that point, we had cut the longer beginning, which you could see on like the Mallrats 15th anniversary DVD or whatever. So we had a test screening, an official test screening out in Los Angeles. And what we learned from the screening was like, if you have a movie called Mall Rats, you better get to the mall as quickly as possible. Yeah. We didn't get to the mall until like the hour mark. (laughs) So we went in and did some reshaping. Uh, Paul Dixon was the editor. And then we did some reshooting out here in Los Angeles. And so we were able to dive into the movie quicker. So those tests were like positive. The studio was high on the flick. We were a Gramercy release, which was a co-production between Universal and Polygon. Gramercy put out shit like Barbed Wire with Pamela Anderson. Yeah. They put out Days Confused. But so it was a small kind of boutique label within Universal. So it was a Universal release, but not a Universal release. And she's right, man. It was like, all right, man, if this works, fucking here goes the movie career. Yeah. And it really did not. Boy, no. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but now, so, it's okay. so in the moment, kids, like dire. Like Mallrats is a career killer. killer. Yeah. Yeah. It, and like, you know, a fucking ball and chain and albatross around the neck. Thank God chasing Amy critically lifts me above it and stuff. And I kind of go on to have the career I fucking have. So Mallrats comes out and dies this miserable death and then has this 10 year ascension to cult classic. Cult 
classic. And and like kids, you would think if the question is, oh, do you guys know? No. No. Because the world told us we were bad. Mm-hmm. Like we got chastised. Shannon, as you just heard, got fucking punished. They took away <laughs> her movie career. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> Um, so there was no like, ah, one day those kids are going to love this movie. It was just like, you did bad. All of you never do this again. And then the the movie found its, its audience. Like Mm -hmm. when it went to home video, then 10 years after Mallrats, and probably even less, but in my head, it was like, it took, it was like a 10 year journey. People would be like, I fucking love that movie. And you'd be like, well, where were you? That movie flopped. They're like, no, I couldn't have been a flop. I have that on DVD. And you're like, those two things don't necessarily conflate. Like you, one thing could be unsuccessful and you could still own the DVD. Right. But what they're talking about is how many fucking times they spun it. Like how often they watch that movie. And I've met everyone, professions across the fucking boards to whom like mall rats meant something. I was like, for years I did interviews up for, up uh, for the IMDb folks. And, and so I met like, you know, a lot of people that I'll never work with. Um, what's her name? Wanda. The Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. She comes in for like that movie with Hawkeye, uh, Jeremy Renner. But before like we even start talking, she was like, oh my God. She goes, you have no idea how many times I watched Mallrats with my brother. And I was like, that's the one? And she's like, that mall- one summer, all we did was watch Mallrats together. He loved that movie and I love that movie because I love my brother. She's like, I could still quote that movie. And it was tough to do that interview without being like crying. That was yeah. before WandaVision. You know, after yeah. that, believe me, I was a big fan of WandaVision. And maybe a little more so because I was like, she likes Mallrats. But I've met so many people like that. There are people who worked with me later in my career who do it predicated on fucking Mallrats. Mallrats right. became currency for us. It bankrupted us at one point. In our yes. Careers. But now it's very much like, we we got the cool kid pass. Yes. All of a sudden, it was like we were not allowed in a classroom yes. or even at the school. We were, you know, and Smart. now all of a sudden, we we're, we're we were like the kings and queens of the school. We were we were the prom queen and prom king, basically. Yes. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 
it's funny because I do a lot of conventions. Same. And I signed so many mall rats posters and DVDs and my doll from mall rats and like all sorts of things. And it is those fans are just the coolest. They friggin love mall rats. They're mm-hmm. so dedicated to it. And they also always ask me two things. One is when are you and Kevin going to do a convention together? So we'll figure that out. Yes. Two, when are you doing mall rats too? I'm I'm with them. When are we doing Marat? So we've had a script for quite some time, which later on, if you kids are good, I will force Shannon to read or a scene. I mean, I have read the script. That's true. I have read the script. I've read like and two versions be, of it. this can be edited so you could easily, like I can give you five minutes to look over the dialogue. So I'll just read it. I mean, I don't cold, do, I'll do cold, cold reading. reading. Yeah, why not? You're like, look, I auditioned for the movie fucking once before. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a bit. Look, guys, he's making me audition from All Rats 2 right no now. That part, is written for, <laughs> that part is written for you. Yeah, there, when are we going to do it? Look, I'm game. I know they're talking about doing a Chronicon next year. Like a real life Chronicon, like we did in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. We did this fake con called Chronicon. Uh, so we're talking about doing that in real life. Like in February, we're doing our first cruise, Jay and Silent Bob's Cruise and Skew. Uh, and then I think at the end of the year, we're doing that. Um, so I know sooner or later, somebody will hit you up and be like, oh my God, come out for that. But what I'll hit you up for personally is I bought a movie theater back in my hometown with my friends uh, and we call it Smog Castle Cinemas. And we have done. Mall rats with Jason and Jeremy because they were both in town for something. So I was like, fuck it, let's screen it. Um, we did, uh, chasing Amy, two separate screenings. Well, one with Jason Lee, one with, with Joey Adams. The Russo brothers just came at the top of November and we did like a big Q and a with them. So you come out to Jer- When's the next time you're East? I can go back whenever. I mean, I'll send you like, I have a whole bunch of cons that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. like I have one in May in Philadelphia Oh, shit. Yeah. That might be perfect. If you're going to be out in Philly for May, that would be a time to double up. Unless you're like, bro, I feel like going to the coldest fucking place in, in, in the world in March. Where am I in March? Oh, I'm in Scotland. That's not anywhere close to- What are you uh, doing in Scotland? Doing a Comic-Con. You're going over mm-hmm. to do a con there? Mm-hmm. Fuck, oh, man. Look at you. Um, going back to mall rats, you know, when, when we did mall rats, I didn't have this like side hustle where like, I was just professionally Kevin Smith where I stand on stage and fucking tell stories and shit that came out of mall rats also, because after mall rats came out and died, like a couple months later, like I was sitting around licking my wounds going like, what the fuck, man? Like I was on top and I'm fucking like, I was the flavor of the fucking year. And so we, uh. I got a call from the University of Delaware. They were like doing a screening of mall rats. I'm like, you want to come out and like talk afterwards? And enough time had gone by a couple months where I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And it's within driving distance. Like, it's like less than two hours to get there. So I drove out and found this insane healing. I heard you talk about, and I think you're absolutely right, um, with, with Holly on the episode, you talked about how this is cheaper than therapy doing podcasting. Something I've believed and, you know, since I was podcasting, I was like, oh, my God, there's no need for therapy. It's, it's so like, cathartic. You just get to talk about all your shit, everything, yeah. and good things, bad things. But so there I was, 1995, and doing this Q&A after Marantz, and it's like a packed room full of college kids with no fucking pretenses about, like, your second movie flopped. This is pre-internet, so it's nothing, liking a thing's not tribal yet. And it was probably a free screening on campus and shit. And then here was the filmmaker who came out just for the fuck of it. And it was such an ego boost where it was like, 
oh my God, not only is the theater packed, which didn't happen when this movie was out, right. all these fucking kids love it. And they're also like, hey, you're one of us because I'm not that far removed from them. 25, these kids are anywhere between 18, 22 at this point and stuff. So I become an aspirative figure where people are like, holy shit, like that's only a few years away from me. You can just make a movie and shit and you can make a movie with like Shannon Doherty. So that begins my therapy. There's a chance I could have went south with the reception to Mallrats because clerks had been so overpraised, you know, in, in our business being what it is, there's plenty of distractions to salve your wounds. It could have been booze. It could have been drugs. But what I found was people being like, no, this movie's good. Mm-hmm. And standing up in, you know, in front of audience and shit. That fed me and also created this entire like side hustle through which now I make a majority of whatever I earn more as just being Kevin Smith than what Kevin Smith does for a living. All tied to fucking mall rats. Yeah. Do you, what do you remember about shooting at the mall, the Eden Prairie mall? Um, you know, which I've revisited many times. Have I you ever have, been back I have there? not. No. Only evidence of us. Cause they changed like the food court with those weird neon palm trees and shit like that, which was so weird. Cause we were in Minnesota. Um, the only evidence of us is in the pot belly sandwich shop. There's a mall rats poster hanging up. Well, at least there's something, there's something there. acknowledging it. Um, I, what I really remember about shooting, um, was the atmosphere. I remember the hotel, all of us just like, I mean, Muse was skateboarding. So it was Jason, like down the hallways. Mm. Yes, could smell some pot. You know, we were, I think it was just a, it, it felt like a bunch of kids who were just in a frat house, basically like hanging out together. Had you, like when you shot Heathers, were you shooting in LA? Had you ever gone on location to shoot a movie? Uh, I'm not, I don't, yes, yes. Because I did like, Robert Kennedy in his times when I was young. And that so was in you to like Hyannisport. So um, I had been, but remember it was like 90210 was my life for four years. I think I right. couldn't you remember were, how. You were working constantly. And in LA, you know, driving. So to be in a location and, and also to, to be working with everybody that was just having a good time. Like nobody took themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think I did. I think I was like trying to be the indie film like icon. It, it was a weird transition. You were also time the captain of the ship, you know, yeah. and you had a studio movie. So that, you know, a lot of pressure on you. But, you know, Claire Ferlani, her hotel room was directly across from mine. Right. And so I would hang out with her a lot. I remember she just kept on eating kiwis and I had never eaten a kiwi before. And she was like peeling and eating her kiwi while talking to me. And it was, it was like a nightly ritual that we had to sort of just decompress from the day. Renee and Brandy. Yeah. I was excited because I'm like, wow, this is like a movie movie and this is cool. And I had Tony G was my makeup artist at the time who then went on to do Angelina Jolie and then became like a huge prosthetic. Boy or girl? Girl. Was that the girl that you hung out with all the time? Yeah, with yes. the like perfectly toned arms and like the quirky personality. She Loved was her. like your, your right hand person. Yeah. And you had the dog. Which dog did you have? It was a German show. I had Elfie. Elfie. Yeah. And she was straight out of... Germany. She responded to, or she responded to German command. She was straight out of Germany and she was Schitzen three 
like hardcore trained security dog. Yes, because yes. she, she Shannon could be like this, and, and the motherfucker would like go chew somebody's throat out. Yeah, and shit. yeah, and we had taught her also like street, like street training when she came here from Germany. We had taught her street training, so she didn't go for arms. Right. She went through for like. Next, Next <laughs> the way shepherds do. It was like I remember while we were shooting, Shannon would come in, and because we shot at an active mall, the Eden Prairie Mall was this uh, shopping center, you know, in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, which is maybe about twenty five, thirty minutes away from Minneapolis, but definitely at least twenty, thirty minutes away from the Mall of America, which had opened the year prior. Which I don't know if it still counts as this, but at that point was the world's biggest fucking mall so it had sucked all the business out of the other local malls so the eden prairie mall was operating at less than 50 percent capacity right. of stores so that's why and we got that mall i mean i know it's 1995 and shit so naturally everyone everything's gonna sound cheap but in 1995 kids this was cheap they gave us that mall for two months for ten thousand dollars that's cheap that's I mean, even by today's standards that i think people cheap. would be like what um, it was nuts. And in that mall, that became our studio. Right. So it was like. Our dressing rooms were stores everything that were, had there, been there, shut down. Yes. There were no um, trailers or anything like that. Like I'm sure on 90210, you guys had fucking trailers. Yeah. Right? Here, the dressing rooms were built, as Shannon said, inside fucking closed down stores. So here's the gap next to you. The Deb just closed down and we built a bunch of fucking stalls in there. Yeah. With and a living room. I mean, my, like, I think at. you guys gave me like a whole store just to myself. Yes, Shannon got her own It was store. probably like, you know, a Claire's earring <laughs> store that had gotten shut Claire's down. did not even exist yet, kids. Okay, that's how that's, old we are. That's how old we are. And they, yes, um, yeah, you did have, well like, remembered, you had your own store. There was just store. like a shoved couch in there yes. and like one chair. And it was like, here's your dressing room. And I was like, <laughs> cool. She would come in through like the front door with, Elfie and like walk up the escalator stairs to like where the dressing rooms were and stuff like that. And the people that ran the mall would constantly come into the office and be like, I look, I know she is who she is, but like, can she go through the back door? If people see her bringing a dog into the mall, they'll think they can bring a dog into the mall. And so we were like, yeah, we'll talk to her. Like Shannon, you can't bring the dog through the, you gotta go through the back door. And Shannon goes, no, I'm gonna go through the front. And we were like, all right. And so we were like, we talked to Shannon. <laughs> that was the best we could deliver. I ain't going to tell her to kill her dog. She can't go through the fucking ball and shit like that. I don't even remember that. It was, the, the dog was absolutely adorable, but it was necessary. Like, yeah. you, again, I'm not overstating how fucking famous Shannon was. And we were now outside of like her natural stomping grounds where you could be famous in Los Angeles and there are other famous people, although she was fucking stalked. We were in Minnesota where people were like, where your fame is magnified 10,000 times. I mean, by the way, Minnesota, 90210, the twins were from Minnesota. We're from Minnesota. It was like, a, you know, and listen, at the end of the day, everybody was wonderful. But I think, again, coming off of 90210 and having that amount of fame at that age where, and you're getting letters from crazy people yeah. saying that, you know, you're married to them and you, you know, they're going to come and get you and bring you back home. And you're like, Oh my God, like this person you, thinks we're actually married. And what are they going to do to me? If they ever find me, did they nowadays, they, you know, the kids ship relationships on TV shows. It's called, Oh, I ship this real hard. What the hell does that mean? It means that they love that particular pairing of couples. So they're like, Oh, I ship this. I ship this couple so hard. And you were definitely before there was an internet, your relationship with Dylan 
broke that internet and people shipped Brenda and Dylan so fucking hard. Yeah. So did you get shit from people who are like, you can't fucking where, how come you're not with Dylan and shit? Um, I mean, yeah, but I think it was more, I I don't, just like your mind. Yeah. It was definitely more your mind, very scary stuff where you're, you know, having to get the FBI involved. Right. And, um, and that was the dog because I didn't like, at that point, I didn't really want a lot of, I didn't want like a security guard. That was, That would feel true. You didn't have a fucking bodyguard, which would have made like a hell of sense at this time. Would have, but like that. You were really trying to keep it. Yeah. Just a bodyguard would have felt to me as if I believed in my own hype. Right. And also invasive because I'm not someone who wants to hang out with someone 24 hours a day. I really enjoy my my space. But a dog, I can hang out with 24 hours a day. Were you. A rich kid growing up, or no? Not? I was poor. You were the opposite. Yeah. So I think that also has something to do with it because you, you know, you've always had an air of streetwise to you um, that one wouldn't have if they were born into this world. You came from a real place, mm-hmm. and even you know, though you started acting at a young age, you were surrounded by fucking real people for at least the formative years of your life. Yeah. Enough that you understand reality. So even when you were super famous, I never felt you leaning into that as much as leaning more toward I'm an individual and I have a life and you're not entitled to that. But fame was not a thing that you particularly cared about. In fact, at that point in your life, it had become I hated it. a hindrance. Yeah, yeah. I hated it. Um, you always came across, for lack of a better description, more normal. Somebody who grew up in the normal world who then found fortune based on her talent. So I feel like you not having a bodyguard really tracked because that was something that like, yes, people in the business did, but you were kind of like, I'm not of that world. I'm myself and I come from a real place. And, and you could absolutely debunk it, but I think it had a lot to do with you are from a world that's not make-believe. You may work in make-believe world and make-believe world made you famous, but you came from family, a street, uh, fucking like people who had to work for a living yeah. in order to fucking keep roofs overheads and stuff. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What I never asked you, though, is when did it start? Whose idea was it to be like, I want to fucking act? It was my brother's idea, actually. So my brother, um, who's four years older than me, he really wanted to be an actor. What's his name? Uh, Sean. Sean Doherty? Sean Doherty. Sean Bryant not, Doherty. The Bryant is, is named after Bear Bryant, who was the coach for Alabama at the time. Okay. Um, so we, we were doing plays at church. And what kind of faith? It was, we were raised Baptist, right. but we were going to a Methodist church mm-hmm. and somebody saw us and, you know, it was like, I have an agent's number. You guys, they should really, you know, get into the business. And my brother, in Tennessee. no, this was now in LA. What were you doing? So in LA? we had moved from Tennessee to like Palos Verdes area. Um, Why? For my dad's business. What so it was a family business. My my grandfather, my mom's father, uh, had a shipping company, like truck transportation company. Right. And so my dad was opening up a West Coast version. And so and you moved the entire family, which is at this point him, your mom, my you brother and, your brother and myself. Yeah. So just four in the family? Just four in the family. Pets or no pets? Uh, there was probably a pet. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that when we were living, yeah, there was curious George who was like a, you know, we got him at a pound and he was a half schnauzer, half poodle. And, um, yeah, his name was curious George. So So your parents are working people. My parents were working people. My dad worked really hard. That's probably like the one time in my life that we, that we did have money, Mm. but then my dad got really sick. He had, how old are you? Um, I was, I think, so my mom had an aneurysm when I was probably nine or eight. Shut the front door. And she almost died. And then my- Do you know that's my, that's my fear is that's how I'm going to go. Because you can't you do see? anything about that. Yeah. Later, I almost died of a heart attack six years ago. But right. the thing I've always been afraid of is aneurysm or embolism because it's like ticking time bomb you don't necessarily know about. You don't. be buried deep in your head and you just be going about your day. What happened to your mom? So I was doing a play called The Mound Builders okay. at like the Burbank Playhouse. And so by this point, you're already into acting. Yeah, but like not really working, working. I'm like doing plays and it's fun. I think I was like eight or nine. And my mom was going with me. And it was during a performance, I guess I was on stage, but she started having horrible, horrible, horrible headaches, like so bad. She got dizzy. She couldn't stand. She was throwing up. Once the play was over, the director put her in, he had a Volvo, like station wagon Volvo, and he put the whole back down. And I just remember that somebody drove us back to the house and they held her head very still the entire time we got to the house she took tylenol went to bed very sick but woke up the next day and she felt a little funky but she was like i'm fine my dad was like no 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 you're going to the doctor 
and they did a scan and they were like, we have to take you into surgery immediately. That was on Friday the 13th. The fuck? She went into an eight hour surgery on Friday the 13th with the doctor saying 10% chance of living. And if she f- survives, you know, here is the best case scenario for her. And it was like, she's going to be paralyzed. She's not going to be able to talk. But, like it All was motor functions crazy. Yeah. How old are you at this point? Eight or nine. A lot of information and, and heartbreak and trauma to have to process and, yeah. and put into place. And so essentially, even before she heads into surgery, you're prepared for like the worst. Something yeah. bad is going to happen to my mom. Um, mind you kids, you can't do microscopic surgery like you can today. So no. that meant fucking opening up her cranium, right? Yeah. So they went, they, they opened her up right here. And, Oof. you know, the big She's thing was like her, her eyesight because the, the aneurysm was sort of behind an eye. Oh, and, um, but they did it and, and she came into surgery with just one eyebrow paralyzed and did I it remain that way. I no. It she, came back. she would stare at the mirror and, and like, work it and work that eyebrow. She really rehabilitated her eyebrow. Correct. I've met your mother. She's a wonderful woman, but that really fucking edges it up a notch or two. Right? Yeah. yeah. Willing ones fucking paralyzed eyebrow back to work. Yeah. No wonder you keep her around you all the time. And no wonder I have, you know, the, the, the inner will. strength and the will. Yeah, I wonder where it comes yeah, from. Yeah. So, and then my dad obviously had, uh, like, by the time my dad passed away, he had had something like 11 strokes and like 12 heart attacks and quintuple bypass heart surgery and on dialysis. And I think the Was it first, bad eating or was it bad genetics? Yeah, diabetes. Oh, just like my dad. Yeah. Just took my dad as well. How old was your dad? When he passed away, 67, maybe? My, literally the same age as my father. Made 67, crazy? yeah. And it's like, think about, now how old, how old are you when he passed away? Was this before 90210? No, 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 no. It was after. You got to see all that? Uh, he got to see Charmed. Were you close with him? My dad was my best friend. So I always thought your mom was your best friend. My dad was my best friend. Is that friend. right? Yeah. Is your mom your second best friend? Because yeah, I mean, my friend. mom and I were super close, but like my dad was my hero. He right. was my rock. He was like everything. My dad was anytime he went into the hospital, it was always the most devastating thing in the world for me because I was, you know, that fear of losing somebody who means that much to you. I honestly didn't think I was going to recover when he passed away. Who was the one that took you to auditions and stuff, mom or dad? My mom. Um, what did dad think about the career? He was okay with it. I mean, he would get very mad at the press, mad at the press oh. and would always say to me, like, I told you, you should have been an attorney. And I was like, I know, dad, I know. <laughs> that was his fucking fix for it. He's like, you should just not be in that horrible business. Yeah. Nobody writes this shit about attorneys. Yes. He, he wanted me to go to law school. Um, I mean, look, I've heard you speak over the years, uh, not just the, how smart you are, the things you know, but also your delivery. You could have easily been a lawyer. Thank you. I a think so too. fantastic <laughs> fucking lawyer. Uh, yes. I'd yeah. be a really, really, really Hands good attorney. Yeah. Uh, I think we all benefited more from you not having a career in law. But yes, I think you could have <laughs> nailed it. And also, it's never too late. That being said, um, he saw Charmed as well. Yeah. Did he ever, like my father, my father passed away 20 years ago. It just came up on 20 years ago that he died. This sh- this year, 20 in uh, June of 2023, it was 20 years. So um, I loved him to death. He was a guy that took me to movies and stuff like that. But my father was also the guy who 
was a bit of the internet before the internet. So like, you know, I'd come in and I'd be like, um, oh my God, did you see what the New York Times said about the movies? Like, yeah, but did you see what the ledger said about it? <laughs> and the ledger was the shitty one, like the shitty review, not the shitty paper, but like right. the negative review. And I'm like, well, yes, dad, I but, did see that. And I'm really trying to focus on like the positive. the positive one, which also happens to be the New York Times, which inarguably, you know, most people are more familiar with than the ledger. I know the ledger is our paper because we're in New, in New Jersey, but still. And my father was kind of that, not like, remember in uh, the movie, Jerry Maguire, um, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character had that brother. His name was TP. Yes. And he was always like, I told him he was too short to be in the NFL. Stuff like that. Just always throwing just a little. A little jab. A out. little jab. I honestly, I, I know my father adored me. I know my father was insanely proud of my career, but I think my father was very interested in making sure that I didn't. Yeah, you stayed humble. Become an asshole. Like yeah. is what it comes down to. So as much as he was proud, he would, he was the voice of, and you know, in the clerks era, that was hard because clerks was a beloved fucking film. Like, and I'm not saying that with any sort of like, fuck everybody, but it, if I'd known it was going to be so beloved, I would have tried harder, but I think not trying is what made it what it was. Absolutely. So the whole world was like, kid, you're a fucking wonderkin genius and shit like that. Except for my old Except man. Your dad who was, who like, was like, yeah, no, oh, the ledger doesn't think you're so smart. Kev. Um, you know, that's funny. Cause my dad used to always say to me that, you know, if you read the good reviews, you better read the bad as well. I, I, just, I believe that a hundred percent. It my, was my keeping, a wise they man. were keeping us humble. They were making sure that we, we had humility. I could see that as being a dude who would want to beat up everybody who wrote about you. Oh, um, or the people that you ran with. Did, would you, did you get lectured a lot? Like you shouldn't hang out with this one, that one or that one. I mean, I, the, like at some point when I was 18, there was no lecturing me because I really thought that I knew what I was doing. Plus you had like the job to back it as well. Yeah. I was hanging out with kind of a bad crowd. And this, um, years? this was, I think right in the beginning of it or right before. And so you were on 90210 in your, I think I was like 18. 20s. 18, so you were like 19, one of the younger kids in yeah. the cast. Like Ian Ziering was 108, I think, when he was on. <laughs> no. He was a grown ass man. Let's be honest. So was what's so was um weren't they all like that was always the joke. These kids are like in their fucking mid thirties, but you were young. No, not really. I mean, Brian was you know well, he was the youngest. You know, I bought the house right next to his, which used to be I bought the house. He, the house was sold to me by Ben Affleck. It was his house. He lived right next door to Brian Austin Green when he was mostly with. With um, Megan. Megan, I think. But he had like a studio in the house next door and stuff. So in the beginning, when I first, so wild, I haven't thought about this in years. When I first moved into that house, like every once in a while, I would see Bag, you know, out in the yard. That's what they called him back I, in that's, the day. He, that's what he's under in my phone. I, I, I was never close enough to call him that. And he probably doesn't even remember living next to me. But like, again, you know, I was somebody who watched 90210 long and not just like, oh, I'm in the business and I like that show. I, I was an outsider with no hope of ever being in the business who watched that show. Right. So working with Shannon and then eventually like being like, Oh my God, my neighbor is, is Brian from nine to two. It was like, you know, fucking, it was wild. Mm -hmm. It was a, a wonderful, wild adjustment. Um, but he was always a nice guy. Super. Brian sweet. is, Brian is awesome. Um, he's really I, I, I love him to death, actually. Mm -hmm. like, Do you talk to any of the other kids still? Yeah. I mean, I speak to uh, almost all of them, really. And Sorry. sometimes, yep. 
talk to Tori. I competed against Tori in a fucking TBS show that during COVID, during lockdown, TBS did the show called Celebrity Show Off. Tori and her family was one of the competing contestants. How did you do on that? It wound up being me and Tori at the end. Really? And then Tori won. Now, you ask me, I think we were robbed, but whatever. (laughs) You know, it was just a pink belt that I really would have cherished and shit. She won it. But oh my God, bro, like that's, look, one by one, I'm checking the 90210 kids off. I know, you you are. Um, Brian, you live next to you. You got Tori. I didn't work with Luke, but I met Luke late in life. I feel like, didn't you meet Luke in Vancouver also when you were yes, shooting? That's uh, where I met him late, yeah. late in life. You were, you I were was shooting up there the for Flash, Flash and right. he was there for, for Riverdale. Riverdale. This is how I judge people in this business. If a motherfucker is willing to come up to you, that's a motherfucker worth talking to. Yeah. Because I'm not the person that's ever going to go up to somebody because I'm always like, I'm going to bother that person. He like literally came over and like started this fucking conversation and was so goddamn lovely. And he couldn't have been fucking lovelier. And he had, this was right before he did like the Quentin thing. He did make it into the Quentin mm-hmm. once upon. I think that was the last thing that he was in. And he was so excited. To be in that. Oh, God. Yeah. Because I must have felt legitimized. Like, yeah. In a way of like It was fucking, like me getting cast for Mallrats. Probably more so because it was Quentin. It was no, about a time at that point time I'm like, Mallrats, again, going to have a big film career. Like I know that for Luke, like, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to work with Quentin Tarantino yeah, first off, right? 100%. I wanted to be in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to be in that really movie. But I really wanted to be in it too. Um, I, for him, it was just, I remember he called me on the phone and he was like over the moon ecstatic and he was telling me all about his character, things that he was going to do and what he was going to try. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that he got to do that before mm-hmm. he passed away. Did you ever do a Simpsons? No. He did. I always think of him as, as when he played Sideshow Luke Perry, they called him on the show. He was like Krusty's cousin. Um, the, uh, yeah, he was absolutely lovely. Um, were you guys, you guys were tight, and it sounds like you were tight even after the show. We were tight. We became a lot tighter after the show. Did you like him on the show? Like, like him, like him? Do you ever find him attractive? What is it like to kiss yeah, him? Yeah, I mean, we had like a little, like, minor, like, fleeing attraction, but it didn't, like, um, actors are so cool they talk about it like that where it's like eh, we had a little thing but it didn't and it's like that's that's fucking huge man could you imagine anybody else in the world like oh I had a little thing with fucking Luke Perry oh I had a little thing I mean, with Shannon you know, and they'd it was, be like that was the thing that defined <laughs> it was like my a life. second and it didn't really you know go anywhere um, oh my god bro just looking at you is so crazy because I just remember watching the fucking show I have a very vivid memory of a show out one act break where they were playing. There was a very popular song. Don't want to fall in love. And you guys were like at a club and it goes out on you, the fade out and shit like that. Like I have very distinct memories of watching that show is culturally very huge. And one of the first shows that broadcast new episodes in the summer. Yes. We used to be a very seasonal world where it's like you watch new shows all the way up to Yeah, all of May. a sudden we were doing like 32, 36 episodes. They had you guys shooting in the summer, season. which was smart because it actually, like, you guys had brand new shit while everyone else was in reruns. That's how it became popular. That was their Netflix of the day. Like, that, some shows go to Netflix right. and get popular. You guys. The fact that, like, summer. you could turn on Fox and see brand new episodes of 90210 during the summer when everybody else was showing reruns. Mm. 
um, is what blew that show up. And it was all bathing suits, yeah. And it was at the beach club, so everybody was in bathing suits. Yeah. Folks can't see, you're not doing video yet. One day you will, but folks are just hearing this, not seeing this. Um, so what they're not seeing is how like fucking insanely great that Shannon looks. I love you. I love Thank you, you so much. And see you uh, for the next episode. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.